Hello and welcome to the Central Connecticut Intergroup Podcast. My name is Eddie and I am alcoholic and alcoholic if I could speak. I am joined today with... I'm Alex, I'm an alcoholic. I'm James, I'm an alcoholic. And we are here today to uh, kind of share some of James' story. But to start, we're going to start off with the serenity prayer. So, God, God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept, to accept the, the things, things I cannot change. change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And before we get started one more time, we're brought to you by the Central Connecticut Intergroup Podcast. We have a bunch of open commitments currently. If you're looking to get involved, please feel free to go to ccti-aa.org and check it out. And um, we're going to start here with James. And uh, James, you want to tell us a little bit about what brought you into AA? Sure. Um... Yeah, so I came, I think I was first introduced to AA when I was like 19, I got a DUI, and I went to the meeting with my mom, and (laughs) we got, you know, I was court ordered to go, and all that, and I don't think I heard anything in that meeting, like at all, I just was like kind of there, because I had to be, (laughs) and then I had to go to this uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving Victim Impact Panel, which I do remember, more than the AA meeting, and I think it was, like, because there was, like, the parents of, like, kids that died as a result of either, like, driving drunk or, like, being hit by, like, a drunk driver, and I, you know, had just gotten a DUI, so we're all sitting there feeling, like, you know, just terrible about it, and I, you know, I think it was good, though, because I didn't really have any perspective about how my behavior affected other people, and I think, like, my drinking was always affecting other people, like my family and everything, and I was hurting people, but I had like no clue about that. But this was kind of like a real like red flag for me, I think, like when I went there. I did take it like seriously. Um, so that's kind of the first introduction I had to AA, I think, and from there I just, uh, I stopped uh, drinking just like cold turkey uh, until I was 21, um, and I used to like, you know, uh, smoke pot and do all that stuff and everything too. And I actually cut out all of that. And I went and saw, you know, a doctor, I got put on, uh, antidepressant, uh, which helped a lot, I think, uh, for me, I'm still on it. And, you know, it definitely makes a difference. Um, I got a job and things were like, okay on the outside, but not like internally, internally, I was like, probably the most uncomfortable I had ever felt since before I drank so it was like Mm. even though the circumstances in the outside of my life got better I felt worse inside and it was like I couldn't understand why everybody was telling me to do this like not drinking thing because (laughs) I was like I feel terrible like when I'm sober why would you want me to be sober (laughs) like what is wrong with you and I and nobody could understand you know it's like I think there's like probably people in my family that have drinking problems and stuff like that but they're you know they're only one of my family members is in the program um you know which was cool uh to find out down the line but like I was going to people around me like my friends my brother my parents and stuff and like telling them about like how I felt inside and like they were looking at me like they they really couldn't understand like why I felt the way that I did they were like you have like a, a good family you know we we provide for you you have like all this opportunity in your life and like it's all right in front of you like why aren't you 
like chasing it, like what's like going on. And I, and I really didn't know how to even describe how I felt for like years. I didn't even know what was going on with me. I just like knew that when I drank, I felt normal, you know, and I felt like I could actually connect with other people. I felt like, I felt like I didn't have to try to be a part of like life. I felt like I just was there. Like I wasn't supposed to be, um, like where I was at. So yeah, that's a little bit about how I got, you know, into AA, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and I could definitely relate, like, what you're saying, too, is, like, I felt so uncomfortable until I drank, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so funny, like you try to talk to people <clears throat> outside of the program, they all look at you like you got, like, seven heads, like, I don't understand what you mean, but, like, you come and you sit in a room, and I can share with you guys, and, like, as you're sharing, we're all looking at each other, nodding, like, exa- I totally get where you're coming from, you know, and that's, like, what I love about this program is we understand where we're coming from and it's just something like you have to be here to get it. Absolutely too. I I mean, I remember before finding booze, I mean, I I think all my behaviors were very similar. Like I was so afraid of what people would think of me that I would, you know, that fear was so deep inside of me that I would, that I would, uh, you know, try to be a different person around everyone and be the person they wanted me to be. Right. But when I, when I drank, I was still doing that. But it was just easier. I I wasn't full of the anxiety that it took. It's like what I say is before I before I drank, I, I lied and I and you know about everything. I would embellish stories and, and everything. I was a pathological liar, and that didn't change when I drank. It just my the insides got easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was easier to lie when I was drinking. <laughs> Way easier to lie. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would just roll off my tongue, and I would believe them. Hmm. You know what I mean? And you know. It's funny because when I came in, I the first four step I did, I was doing the you know the sex inventory, and I had told this story to people for so many years about like I don't remember what it was at this point, but it was like some just outrageous sexual prowess story <laughs> that I you know, and it was just totally fabricated. Yeah. But I didn't know until uh, until I had to stop when I was doing my. I was like, wait a minute, did that even happen? It's like, please like me. Yeah. Like I have the same exact like thing inside of me. Yeah. Like just that, like just that feeling of like, dude, like I could just go meet somebody for the first time. They could like totally like me and, and vibe with me and everything. And I'm inside. I'm like, I'm just like not good enough, you know? And it's like, it's like, it's like, it's just, I need to tell them something to make them like me more. Yeah. Know? And booze did the opposite. It made me, it gave me this false sense of importance, I guess you could go. I mean, I, it, it made oh, me yeah. on top of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or underneath the bar, depending if, you know, where I was at. It was Yeah, and going off that too, I, you know, hindsight's 20, like 2020, we learn all this stuff in AA and it's like, you know, like that was like my perception then is like, I just want to feel like I fit. But like in reality, it was like, I want to feel better than other people. And like, yeah. that was the problem all along. Like I didn't know how to belong in a group and I didn't know how to be a friend and I didn't know how to be a part of like something bigger than myself and not be the whole thing you know like i always wanted to be that guy yeah you know it's no one's as important as me and that's how i always do things right like i said my head is just so big like it's like how do i become friends with people like what do you mean like it's not all about me what are we going to talk about yeah you know it's clearly your lives are important or like i have to have like a one-up story or something i have to have this crazy Mm. sexual story so people like no i'm just the man like you want to be like me but you really don't want to be anything like me but i because i the fact of mine was i hated myself 100 percent. it was the only way i could find ways was like drinking and then like coming up with stuff to make myself seem acceptable 
mm-hmm. you know, and be like, okay, I can, I like this person, and I'd have to convince myself that's what I liked, and you know, or trying to like blend in with all you guys, and now I don't, now I don't worry about it. Yeah. I think I still get those thoughts sometimes, even like now when I meet new people, or like even with friends like you guys. We were yeah. talking about this the other day. Like we won't <laughs> talk for like a couple weeks. So I'm like. Does he hate me? (laughs) (laughs) But I know now to pick up the phone and call you guys and be like, yeah, it's that monster in my head. Yeah, AA is so good for that stuff. You Mm -hmm. know, when you meet people in the program, it's a lot more like deep and like I'd never been exposed to people who were able to be vulnerable, like with their feelings and stuff. And like meeting like, you know, a lot of the guys we've all met, like a lot of the same guys. uh, And it, it, it's like, they were like comfortable and would share things and like even if like I was judging them internally because it's like I'm judging myself so hard that it's like I'm just by default going to judge everyone like the same it's like they didn't seem like phased by it Mm -hmm. and they didn't like act like they needed my approval or anything really they were just being authentic and like I really did feel like that helped me to be able to trust people to open up to them because I was like they're just being themselves like there's no angle here you Mm -hmm. know they're Mm -hmm. just here this is here take it you know if you don't want it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Helped the, a lot. The angle, yeah. Yeah, I didn't Absolutely. feel like anybody was trying to force me to do to do this in AA, anyways. You know, and that was, you know, attraction. You know, I was like, over time, I wanted what people had, but nobody forced it like on me yeah. in the program, anyways. Well, we were talking about how you how you discovered AA. Um, when we talk about why every AA must hit bottom, um, you know, before this before oh, yeah. this thing, you know is fruitful um you want to talk you want to talk a little bit about kind of like uh you know that last year or that last couple months or kind of like what that bottom <laughs> was for you what what was that turning point to um you know to being able to give it over to being able to become willing um and, and really grab the life preserver yeah um well you were there for part of it alex so <laughs> that was a <laughs> that's a trip that we're both sober now it's awesome um yeah i think I had a desire to stop drinking like five years ago or five and a half years ago. And I, I came into the program into young people's AA and I, I did what I was told to do. Um, I came out of rehab from like a detox and everything. And I was pretty beat up the first time I really tried to stay sober in, in AA. And I think that was kind of a good starting point for me. And I met a lot of people around my, my age and everything. And I would just say, like, when it came to the first time of being in AA, like, you know, I had hit a bottom, but there's, like, levels to the bottom, like, and I think, like, I could still hit a new one, and I, but I didn't realize that then, you know, and I, like, thought that I was uh, all done now, and, like, life, you know, is just going to go up from here, and I think, like, I was a little naive in that sense, and understandably, I was, like, young, I'd never been sober, and it's, like, I don't think I wanted to do everything that I was told to do, but I did enough just to, like, satisfy whoever was around me like my sponsor and a lot of it was like checking boxes too like I think a lot of it was like I have to do this so I'm gonna do it but like a lot of the like I I could I could say for sure for me um the 12 steps didn't uh you know didn't hit any sort of like part inside of me it didn't become really that like personal to me um when I first had gone through them and that's like just my experience and I think that showed because I ended up going out again Um, and for me, it was just like, I surrounded myself with people that didn't go to meetings. I surrounded myself with people that, uh, didn't take AA seriously. And I surrounded myself with people that didn't have an experience with, with the 12 steps and I didn't either. So I went gravitated towards those people. Um, some of them were like, you know, getting high and then I found out about it. And, you know, one day I came home from work and I just decided to smoke a joint and 
I just didn't stop for, you know, like a 30 or something days. Like I was just, you know, either stoned or I was doing other stuff. And then, you know, uh, like, you know, anxiety medication, then alcohol, when alcohol came back into it, for me, alcohol has always been there and it's always been the thing that's there all the time. Like whenever I'm doing, whenever I'm using, I'll use different like substances, but alcohol is like, I'll always need to have like that as like my bottom line. And I think this time for me, like a bottom in a sense was more or less the realization for me that like, I'm going to drink again, if, unless I like do something about this. And even if I have a desire to stop drinking, just not wanting to drink, like I'm powerless. I think I didn't realize I was powerless when I first came in. I think I thought I had this thing like under control. All I needed to do was, you know, do some meeting, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, kind of like put a bandaid on it and then move on with my life. Um, you know, and I got like, like humbled by this disease and just totally like thrashed in like 30 days and like came back in, went to the doctor. I was like, had strep throat for a couple weeks. I was sick. I was like underweight. My doctor told me I had like uh, a high liver enzyme count. I was like, I only used for 30 days, but I was like combining all these things that I shouldn't have been combining really bad on, on my body. And it's just like, I was like, you know, when's this going to stop? And I just didn't know what to do. And I think like the bottom for me was like realizing that like, I'm not going to stay sober on my own. I need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a daily thing of asking for help from a higher power now and other people in the program. But like, it's never going to be a job I can do on my own, you know? Yeah. yeah. I like <clears throat> what you said with the, uh, you know, checking boxes. And that was yeah. my experience. And my first experience with AA was like I did anything else. <clears throat> what are the boxes that I need to check? What do I need to do? What's the program here? You tell me what I need to do. And, and, uh, and until I realized that there was nothing that I could do, like you said, you know what I mean? It's, it, it turned from what do I need to do to what do I need God to do? Like, what yeah. can my higher power do? You know, because, and it's wild, you know, I, I ran sober too for, for, for a while um, on just self-propulsion, you know what I mean? Kind of oh, disguised yeah. with just words out of the big book, to oh, be yeah. honest with yep. you. Oh, you know, yeah. I was, you know, I, I checked the boxes, I said the words, but man, I was full of ego and self-propulsion. And, you know, um, I remember, I remember when I met you and, yeah. and we had, we were the same person, dude. Like we yeah, talked the same way. It was just all, you know, and, mm -hmm. and the change that I've seen in you for being, I mean, we've been friends for what's five, six years. Mm -hmm. And, um, just the change from that day I met you to yeah. like, you know, and through AA and now seeing you now, it's just, you you know. Yeah. And luckily it's been parallel and I can't say the same for a lot of people that I've yeah. met. And it's just like, more reason uh you know to support the fact that like you know aa does work and like all these things that we these changes we made with the help of other people yeah. mm -hmm. do make a difference because you know as we both know there's people we know mm -hmm. from then that didn't do what we did yeah. and are at either the same place or in a worse place and yeah. it's just like it's just so sad you know yeah. to see we're so like lucky you know or blessed or whatever but we're you know it's uh it's it's a scary disease dude it is like I like what you say too about like surrounding yourself with the right people, right? Like hanging with the winners. Like how so I used to come in, I'm like, oh my god, what a stupid, oh, what a stupid thing. <laughs> but it, like but that. it's, no. but it's like I laugh it, but it's the truth though, right? So like, true. It's so true because you are who you surround yourself to be around. You know what I mean? What does your sobriety look like? As it look, who who do you spend your time with? You know what I mean? And what are they doing in your sobriety? Mm -hmm. Like getting closer to the pack and being in the middle of all those things is like so important because I. 
I first came in, I'd just come in and sit in the back and not be involved. Like I said, checking boxes. Mm-hmm. Staying sober just off pure ego. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> said, just because I don't, I cannot drink. Fuck you guys. Like, oh, yeah. he said, I'm totally fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he said, he wanted to show it. they like, just white up it. But in the meantime, I am just miserable on the inside. Yeah. Everyone who knows me is miserable. And yeah. It's just a terrible experience. You know what I mean? And then it took a while to, like, he said, to want to do this and, like, bring and develop their relationship with my higher power and actually, like, be willing to do these things and actually get sober. And, it's crazy what that looks like now. Yeah, yeah incredibly fortunate that, you know, it, it's a hard thing to, to realize that it's not something that you can figure out, that I could, that it's not something that I could figure out, right? I want my whole life dealing with every problem, any problem, any situation, how can I figure this out? And that's how I operated for the first 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you coming in and, and, and it's a complete paradigm shift, you know, um, <clears throat> was a struggle for, for me, you know, for me too. I, I feel like. You know. I came in and tried to figure out how to game the system. Yeah, like, absolutely. there has to be a <laughs> yeah, cheat code. You know what I mean? Yeah. Up, up, down, down, A, B, A, B. Like, how do I get sober? Yeah. Someone tell me. There has to be an easier way besides yeah. the steps, besides calling you guys and doing this and, like, sitting. Because I don't know. I didn't want to do that. I don't know about, like, I don't know anyone like else, but I did not want to fucking, I did not want to do that. I did not want to, you know, take a look at myself and, mm-hmm. you know, re- like, checking the boxes. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's move forward and I'm okay and everything seemed fine. And but to really do it, I was just terrified to do that. And I think it was like you I needed to be out of all options to do that. I don't know that I would have done that. You know, it's yeah. scary. Yeah, I think that's why it talks about why, you know, we talk about why AA must every why every AA must hit bottom. Right. Is because I, yeah. I know that most of, you know, we're strong willed people, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, people that aren't alcoholics and I know that some people may think that alcoholics right have don't have the have strong willpower and I've heard a, a million things like that oh you just you're not strong-willed but we are very strong-willed because mm-hmm. you know man we will fight it for so long until I'm sure there's people take a from, lot of pain. I'm sure there's people from that like DUI class that I went to yeah. that weren't alcoholics that like stopped drinking because that was <laughs> <laughs> or just never drove if they had a beer or anything and like because they were afraid but for me I'm like I stopped driving. Yeah. <laughs> I, chose I can solve this problem. Yeah. I would give my keys to my parents anytime I drank, and then I would be, you know, as soon as I was like buzzed, I would be trying to get my keys back, and I would turn into a different person. And I like knew that, so I would try to hand over my key, I hide them and yep. stuff. And it's like just trying to figure out a way to do both. Like I don't want to accept, like just no acceptance, right? Like yeah. I, I don't want to not, try. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to let go of this. I want to do both. There has to be a way for me to do both. The alcoholic will say, the non-alcoholic who gets a DWI says, I shouldn't have been driving. I shouldn't have driven. I was drinking. I should have, I should have gave the keys back. I shouldn't have done it. And the alcoholic will say, I should have took 91 instead yeah. of <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean like, that's so true. Yeah. That's Absolutely. So true. I had this under control. I clearly just made the wrong decision on the, on the freeway, right? Exactly. That's yeah. so Idiot. I know. It's crazy what we do. Um. So what does your like life look now with some surprise? So what have you what like was your solution moving through the program? What what worked for you? Dude, other people, man, like other people like giving me like asking for help, but then like li- like learning how to like listen and listen to what people are saying and like accept and like believe that they could have a solution that would like work, you know? Cuz it's like I asked for help before and people would give me feedback and I was like in one ear out the other like I know more than everyone around me there is no 
Like, if I haven't thought of it, it doesn't exist. You're not going to tell me how to, like, do anything that I haven't you, already done. You can't done. help contribute to my life. I'm clearly smartest man alive. You yeah. have nothing to provide for and, me. And it's awesome, like, that we could say it out loud. Because I would never admit to that. Yeah. I would be so, like, angry. I would just be, I would just shut down if people would call me out on it. And it's like... That was like a huge part of it for me. For the solution, the solution was just get out of my own way as much as I possibly can. Try to be aware that I'm in my own way every day Mm -hmm. and just try to like be mindful of the fact that that's how I work. That's how like I am. Like my baseline is I am that guy. And knowing like that is kind of helps me when I talk to other people, man. Like, I just, I got to stay connected. I think, like, alcoholism for me was, like, a big thing, was just not feeling connected to, you know, a higher power, 100% not feeling connected to that. But also, that goes to, like, other people. Like, any sense of, like, purpose that I, that I was, that I had in my life, it was honestly, like, a lot of the things I did were just, like, a means to, like, get money to drink. Like, and it sounds so shallow when I, like, say it, but it's, like how, like I would have, I, I think about it this way, like when I, when I relapsed and, and, and I was working for this guy in recovery and I, you know, I wasn't even high, like I was, uh, I, I had started using again after work and this was like the first week that I was using and it was like I was at work and I remember being like real passionate about like my job and I actually liked what I was doing um, when I was clean and then I remember like being there and I was stone cold sober and because I had started using, like my whole thought process had changed and I was like, how much longer do I have to be here? to get out of here, to stop talking to this guy, to go pick up uh, before the package store closes and then get more uh, pot and then go home. You know what I mean? And that's like really that obsession was kicked off. And then it's like, you know, anyone else around me, I am like a sociopath. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's like, that is what it is. As like, as like terrible as that sounds, like that's how I am. I'm like, I don't care about other people. Mm-hmm. I only care about myself. Yep. Um, and I don't want to like, live that I think like part of it it is like it became like it hit my heart or something when I got sober this time like I don't want to live like that anymore so like like there's times that I feel like garbage in sobriety there's times that I feel like really low I still struggle with depression but it's gotten a lot better and there's times that I'm just not drinking with the help of God and other people but like it's more for like my family there's all these other things like I call into my mind now because it's like I don't if this was just about me like not drinking for me to have a better life or to like be happy like I would have picked up like years ago because it's not always like that and it's a lot it's been helpful for me to make it bigger than me you know what I mean to have some sort of like purpose to stay sober to like actually be there and other people I just went to my brother's wedding um in Block Island it was great it was awesome he you know, I, I had made an amends to him, you know, years ago, and, and, and it's taken a long time, because it's, like, living like that and, like, not even being aware of how much damage I've caused to people, like, treating him, like, in annoyance, in, like, an object, and just, like, what can I get from you for, for like, over a decade did, like, permanent damage to how he, like, feels, how much he feels comfortable, like, having a relationship with me, and, like, he had me at an arms, at a distance for so long, and it's just, like, it's not even perfect now, but it's like it's starting to become more, uh, like mutual respect is like there. I'm I'm seeing, and it's like you know, the more I show up in his life and do things for him that don't like, the more I'm of service to him and do what I learned to do in AA for him. The more mended that like 
becomes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I'm young, and I have some sort of perspective from listening to people in, in AA, which has been good to hear other people's stories. And, like, there's a lot of older people, way older than us, that have been in the program, and they struggle with, you know, and it's like, you know, 30, 40 years of, like, living this way. And it's like, I, I don't want to do that. And it's like, it helps me to realize the fact that, like, I am also that guy. I'm just not at, at that age yet. But, like, I will be that. Like, no matter what. Like, I will do the same thing. If I don't die, I'll, I won't be a part. How am I going to be a part of people's lives if I'm, if I'm drinking and, and using? It's a much different thing than it is for, for people that don't have this disease. So the solution has been a lot of, uh, a lot of prayer. I pray every day still. Um, if I don't make it, make it to a meeting, I'll, like, make it a point to listen to a speaker tape. Like, I do things on a daily basis for my recovery every day. Because it was, like, shown to me that if I don't at least do something on a daily basis, like, I don't just stay there. I go backwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. I like what you're saying, too. I feel like, too, my default setting is me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I heard oh, you yeah. say. My default setting is always me, and I have to get out of my <laughs> Every own morning, way. man. Every morning. It's always me. I wake up every morning just the first thing I think of still is myself. You know what I mean? The first thing I have to do is when I wake up is I have to... I have to, like I said, I have to pray, and I have to, um, I pray, and I do uh, my readings every morning before I'm even out of bed, because I have to do that to help get myself out of yeah. my default setting, because that's just how I wake up, and I'm just, I wake up alcoholic every morning, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and I have to do something for my sobriety, or if I don't, I continue to just focus on me. Yeah, yeah. and then moving backwards, you know what I mean, that, that resting on our laurels, it's like you hear, <clears throat> I've heard the saying a ton, you know, that, that I'm in, I'm in the meeting and the, and the, and my disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, you know, and, and that's, the, I mean, having relapsed, you know, having, having been in recovery for a while and then relapsing and it getting way worse, like way worse than when I put it down, you know what I mean? And being advanced, like I, I can say that it's, it's true, right? But it doesn't just work like, that thing's not just like waiting for me to go out and talk to it, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's figuring out ways to try and knock the door in. You know what I mean? That's my disease. It'll it'll use anything it can, and it comes up with new ways to try and get in for me. You know what I mean? So um, back to what we were talking about with the checking the boxes. I thought that's what AA was. I thought I would graduate from AA, and that then I just live the rest of my life, and everything's great. You know what I mean? And Here's your certificate. You won't drink. Exactly. If only. If if only. Yeah. My, you know, my father said Still this the other day. Thought. That's, that's true. I My father said this to me the other day. I was going to a meeting, and I think... Uh, they were over or something like that or I had the kids at their house and I was like oh I gotta go I gotta get to a meeting and they're like Are you? my dad looked at me he's like you're still going to those meetings and I was mm. like dad I gotta go to them the rest of my life man. <laughs> like I gotta you know um, I have to hear it and and, yeah. and I think what I what happened when I was when I was sober in, in my younger years when I was like 20 and I got sober is is that I thought that I had it. You know what I mean? Like I had stopped mm-hmm. growing. I had go- I had grown a whole bunch rapidly yeah. through the steps and then I immediately stopped growing as if my disease wasn't going to progress and my character defense were- defects weren't going to progress and they did, right? And they ended up taking me back out, right? So the pray for the slow recovery thing is huge, right? Like knowing that I'm that I'm not going to be perfect, knowing that I'm going to make mistakes, knowing that I need AA because, you know, as much as I do the work on it, mm-hmm. it's still it's going to get stronger in the background. And, and it's like a comforting ways. idea too. And it sounds like you could look at it two ways. And it's like it sounds like oh my god, I'm never going to get over this. But then it's also like it's okay to like because you, you there's no rush right. and it's not going to 
you don't have to let, like you don't have to be the best person in AA or figure everything out or be perfect at this or anything. It's just like you know this is here to help you on a daily basis yep. over the course of your life. Yep. You know, and there and that I you know looking at it, it takes a lot of like weight off. You know. Mm-hmm. To know that absolutely realizing that it becomes a way of living, a, a design yeah. for living, if you will, right, is um, easier for me to swallow than than like you know it, oh, yeah. it's a tr- a treatment, if you will, right? Like because there's a tr- with a treatment, there's an end. I figure. Yeah, like you know a, what I mean? at the end of the yeah. day, there's like a cure. Yeah, yeah. This now what? Yeah, exactly. Right? Now what? I've been cured. You know what I mean? I've been treated. I yeah. got it. We're all good. <laughs> like so sometimes, like I like what you're saying too. Like one of the things is sometimes my on my bet on my worst day, the best I can do is just. Not drink. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? And that's as good as it gets some days. And that's not great on my spiritual (laughs) journey, but that's better than drinking and better than going out. And I think, like, I I can try again tomorrow. And, like, I'm not going to be judged by you guys. I might owe someone an amends, but but I won't be judged. But having that mindset that there's, like, a clean slate, though, that's, like, that's so cool. The AA, like, you know, I I got that from AA. You know what I mean? It's, like, uh, that's, that's awesome. You know, to have, like, a bad day. And to not turn it into a bad month, you know, year or whatever, and to just like know I could go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, and try again from the beginning. Yeah. And 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 I don't have to take it with me. You know, it's like that. Just that thought helps a lot sometimes. And the amends process that you talked about—that's for me. I would I would come home with such guilt after being out all night drinking, partying, looting, doing whatever the heck I'm doing, all the all the malarkey that I got into, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that guilt would lay on me and I'd be like, oh man, I can't go back there again, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and that would yeah, just be a dude. place I don't go anymore, yeah. right? Um, yeah, man. And, and the amends process, right, is amazing. Like I was terrified to do it, but that amends process, I learned that it's like that stuff you know what I mean? Like, I can attempt to clean my side of the street, it, regardless of whether I get forgiven or whatnot, but I can try to make things right. You know what I mean? Like, you were talking with your brother. You know what I mean? Um, forgiveness is slow. It, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't yeah. happen. I'll tell you, I've got an ex-wife, and <laughs> she won't <laughs> listen. Yeah. She, and she'll probably never forgive me. You know what I mean? And, and all I'm taught to do in AA is that I can, you know, I make an attempt, right? I make an attempt and I try to clean up my side of the street, right? You know what I mean? That's okay. Like you said, that's okay too if she doesn't forgive you. That's part of what it is. Right, right. Like, and we have the same sponsor. Like, that's a successful amount. It is. You know, and I love that (laughs) because it has nothing to do with controlling other people's outcome. And you did it. Yeah. It's good. And then I can rest easy and it's, it's as if it's like, you know, all that guilt that I carried. You know, and all that, you know, and it was never a fresh start in the morning. I tried to, but I was weighted down oh, by yeah, yesterday's before, before that. fears oh God, and yeah. yesterday's guilts and yesterday's, you know, anxieties. Just never went away. And I'd wake up and then I'd just, tr- just try and just put my head down and bear through the day with all that stuff. And then I'd make more mistakes and do more stuff. And that's just how I live for the 30s. So, like, the amends process showed me that I can, like, I don't have to avoid that. But, like, if I have an amends, like, to make and I was wrong... I go and I make that right or try to make mm-hmm. that right, right? And then, you know, inside, I'm not carrying that. I'm not carrying mm-hmm. that, that that weight anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, such an amazing step. What was yeah. your step with some... You talked about your brother um, in the ninth step. Yeah. Um, making amends. What are some of the other big amends that you made that you kind of... And your experience with those? I made one that was interesting to my mom and my dad. I did a lot. I was really... I isolated a lot when I drank. And maybe that was part of my depression, too. Well, I would just stay in my room for like, and and I would go to the bathroom at my parents' house, but I was in the house, like I didn't leave the house for, you know, like six months at one, at one time. Like I didn't leave the, like I went outside sometimes, like smoke cigarettes and stuff, but 
it was pretty dark for me. Like I had gone to the hospital for like suicide attempt in between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to hang myself in the basement. Like things were just so like, and, and I think that I really do think that's a separate thing from the alcoholism, man. Cause it was like, not even like, it, I was sober at certain times. Like I wasn't even like that drunk and it was like, it lingered and it was like, uh, you know, so the amends like to, to them was obviously like real, like a huge one for me because it's like, they were like right there for a lot of it, yeah. for a lot of it, you know, uh, for years. And it's like, I made an amends. Um, and it was like, for, for them, you know, obviously they're like, Oh, it's okay. We just want you to be okay. And everything like that. And, and it's, and it's good. And you know, uh, there's financial parts of that where I'm paying them back. Um, and, I feel good about it. You know what I mean? It's it's like a monthly thing that's kind of gone on since then. Just But, I mean, it's not, you know, I was, my mom was, like, driving me to the gas station one day. And these are, like, just certain memories that, like, stick out. And I was, like, you know, I, like, stole change, like, quarters. Like, I don't know, like, five bucks maybe. And that was just, like, what happened that day. And I wanted to get nips or something. Or maybe I wanted to, like, have money to smoke weed or something. So I went to the... I had her drive me to the gas station. I'm like, can you help me get cigarettes? And I was, like, trying to cash the coins in, like, covertly. You know? And she walked in. She knew the whole time. She walked in. She was like, you want me to help you count those? She just, like, looked at me. And she was helping me count her change. Yeah. So, and I, she was like, you know, like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous, you I know. Like, in your car, you're free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> hands off the change, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Get away! Get away! <laughs> there was no change in my house. <laughs> there was no change. I feel like that's a common thread at some point. Yeah. Every all of us go through all the change. Like, what can I do? Up, pay for stuff and pennies. Like, no shame, whatever it takes. You know, you're not doing that well when like there's like there's no spare change around you. <laughs> funny is I'd be balling on a Friday, I'd be throwing money around and money, $20 bills laying around the house and by, by like Monday I'm like, I'm surrounded for change. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I was working was... at this like grocery store at the time, like I was working night shifts, stocking and produce and stuff. So I was making like four fifty, five hundred a week, you know, nothing crazy, like, you know, a little bit more than part time and like I would blow that in two days. Oh, man. easily. Like, and I was like living at home, rent free, you yeah. know, just, just being just just being just like a tornado, like the book talks about, <laughs> just being crazy, dude. And yeah. it's like, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, I would, you know, wake up in a different part of the house with no recollection of how <laughs> I got there. Um, and then, you know, man, it's just crazy. So I made this amends to, to both of them. And like later on, my mom turned around and made an amends to me. And I think that's why it was like insane. And it was like, you know, growing up, everyone has their issues. Like long story short, it's not like anything even that I even gave that much attention to after I like had gone through the steps. I was like, you know what? I had it pretty good, dude. Like, you know what I mean? And, but there was some emotional things that like, I really like wanted some like support, like that I wasn't getting and stuff like that. And I just, she just sat down. I like bawled my eyes out when she was saying we were in a restaurant and it was like this time that I got sober and I was like in the first month that I literally just started sobbing. Like when she said it. Um, and I couldn't eat or anything. It was crazy. Um, she was like, I'm sorry that like, I thought what I wanted for you was like more important than like what you wanted for you, like your wife basically. And it was just like one of these things that was like, just like my whole life. I felt like I just like didn't matter, you know, but it was like one of those really deep down things. And like, she doesn't, she didn't even know she was doing it. It's like, they didn't do anything wrong. Right. Like I had really, and I have really good parents And, and it's like, that's what happens when you start to make these amends. Is, is for me, I realized that 
I made mistakes and like other people are allowed to make mistakes. So like a lot of that, like resentment, like even if she didn't make that amends to me, I had already like let go of that, like for both of them. So when she made that amends to me, I wasn't like harboring like resentment towards her, but there was obviously like some sort of like emotion attached to it. And it's like mm-hmm. just this part of me, that deep down part of me went just like, it was just immediate emotion. Wow. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just some one of those things, you know. So that's definitely I would say that would like me between me and my mom was probably like one of the one of the most life changing. On the flip side, there was one night I blacked out and I went to a house of. I was somebody. gonna ask you about the Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> I went. I have to talk about it because it's like ridiculous. I haven't night. heard the follow up on this amends. There is none. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. But like as Joe would say, success. You know, like right. so I reached out. Uh, so anyway, like long story short, I, I I was in a blackout like per my daily routine because it was past eight o'clock. So I don't know what's going on. What's going on? Like, I don't know where I am. Yep. <laughs> like, but apparently. Although I had no recollection, I wasn't passed out. I was, like, walking around and talking and everything. So I was taking these anxiety meds and, like, drinking vodka, and that happens a lot. Like, <laughs> like nobody's just, home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who that guy was. I have no memory. So I'm walking, and and, and I think, like, one of my buddies uh, dropped me off at the wrong house. Like, he didn't really know me that well. We went to go, like, do some other stuff, and he picked me up and dropped me off at the wrong house. So I'm there knocking on the door. I guess they let me in. Uh, and there was a party going on there. So maybe I asked him to drop me off there cause I heard about it or something. I don't know. Uh, but there must've been a party in the basement cause they let me into the basement some, and, 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 you know, I don't have any, this is a zero recollection thing. Like there's not even a Brown moment. In here. <laughs> I, I, like, I went from like being in my buddy's car to like waking up at like noon the next day. <laughs> like, wow. you know what I mean? Time like, travel. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I really, I thought it. Uh, well, I guess to relieve myself on their Tupperware in the basement, <laughs> uh, in the corner or something, and I was asked to leave, obviously. And you didn't want you to stay? No, no. Leave the party. You guys, like, come on. You aren't going to use that. Yeah. It's even got a lid to hold it. It's perfect. Yeah. And I was like, sit. so I guess I was like, uh, yeah. I'm taking this with me. <laughs> It's like a little puddle in the cold. I was probably like hunched over or something. I don't know. So, you know, so I was sitting out. I was asked to leave. So I guess I was sitting on the front porch smoking cigarettes and, and I just like wouldn't leave. Like I, I was just sitting there and I guess I was, they were talking to me and I just wouldn't say anything. And I was just like, sit, I guess I was like too drunk to like walk or something. And they called the cops. Cops came. I was in handcuffs, whatever, on the side. My dad, it's just terrible, dude. Like think about it now. Like it's pretty bad. Like he had to come get me. Super embarrassing for them, I bet. Like, just take me, like, walk me home. Because I wasn't in the car, so I didn't get a DUI. And, I, you know, so I wake up anyways. I didn't believe my mom when she told me in the morning until I felt like there was rings around my wrist from the handcuffs. Like, they were, there was like, and it hurt. And I didn't believe her until I felt those wow. around my wrist. I remember being like, I, I really remembered. I was like, they're trying to scare me. I and, and to get me to stop drinking, I really didn't believe her. Um, so when, like, I got sober, this is, like, years later, probably over, like, six years later, I tried to make an amends, I reached out to the daughter of the family, and I messaged her, and, and I, you know, basically did what we, we say to do, and, like, outlined, like, what I did, and how that wasn't, like, and I realized, like, that's, like, not right, you know, and, like, how can I make that right, I just want to, like, acknowledge this, and, like, how do I make this right, you know, 
Um, she's like, I'll, but it wasn't really to her. It was for her parents. So I was like, can I talk to them? And then she's like, yeah, I'll reach out to them and I'll get back to you. And it's been like four years. Mission successful. <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk to a guy that peed in my basement either. Yeah, so I, I don't get it. Like, I get it now. How do you think your butt? You're just gonna forward him some Tupperware. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't a big blackout drinker. It just didn't happen much. But there was one time, I think it was maybe even a brownout, but I had, it was at my parents' house. I was younger. And uh, another pee story because we're on the topic. But it happens. I couldn't figure out in the morning why my mom was making me do the laundry. But so to, we had a laundry room in the basement. And when we would drink in the basement, there was a wash tub that we would go, you know, go pee in. It's perfect. But well, I peed nice. in the washer on all the clean clothes, I guess. So. <laughs> you were close? Was it close? It was, I guess, kind of the same height. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Just happens. It just happens. You know? It's too funny. Got to make more room for more alcohol. I'm thinking, like, we're thinking on a very linear pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, like, it's very mechanical in my brain. It's like, release, drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember saying that you said I'm I'm a blackout drinker all the way. Like Jason, you are. Oh yeah, all the way. I don't remember anything. Like if we get rolling, like the party starts, and I'm I'm trying to choke yours <laughs> as quick as possible. Next thing you know, I'm out cold, and we're just trying to piece together the night. Like I have like moments. So, like my drinking highlights are just I just time travel. I mean, so, man, I have all the memories yeah. of my bad behavior. Yep. Unfortunately, I, have, I I do have a lot. There's times that I'm like, I wonder what a GoPro would look like. Right now. <laughs> oh, I wish, that must have been crazy. I would have loved Imagine watching a GoPro. It would have been thing. way different than I remember it going. I can yeah. tell you that because in my mind, I think it went. I was way. awesome. Yeah, oh, mind, man, I was, was awesome. I ever. Yeah, exactly. But like I so said, well, my boys and I would have to like piece together the nights. Like, that's why I say when I hear people say, like, oh, I was never a blackout drinker. I look at them so confused. I'm like, I, my goal was to be blacked out. But you wouldn't know if you were a blackout drinker. That's if true. You, if you did blackout. I remember one time I blacked out. Long time. It was, like, 12 hours. I missed the whole party, and I woke up angry the next day because I, like, went from, like, drinking around a bonfire to being in a car, and it was really like that. That's mm-hmm. everything. Time traveled. Terrible, man. Terrible. Yeah. Missed the whole party. I never had, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird. I just, I never had that experience. And then I would, I think I had a lot of guilt every morning because I'd wake up and be afraid to turn my phone on because I knew that I was just a, you know, not a very good guy. You know what I mean? I would say things to people. I was offensive. I was, I was, um, you know, I was, I, I got yeah. beat up a lot at parties because I, Makes you sense know, though, dude, because yeah. the nights that I didn't black out, I would wake up feeling like terrible. Like, yeah. cause if you know what you did, yeah. it's like. It's horses. right there. Yeah, there's then you got to start rationalizing. It's like it's all this mental it's a four horsemen, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Coming at you. There's a rule to never read the text messages the next morning. You Ooh. just let those babies ride. I just let my phone stay dead for a day. You know, I'd be like, I'm not turning that on. There's going to be no good voicemails in that. Yeah, and let alone no people to call. So it's like going yeah. from that to it's now. It's like no people to call for help. Like that's what people were to me. They were like, I need to like run away, or if I just met them, I can spin them. Yeah, exactly. They don't know me yet. I can. Don't know. <laughs> you don't know that you're not gonna like me in six months. Yeah, exactly. So I will wear out my welcome. You will. But this me. next month, <laughs> it's like I'll eventually wear out my welcome. You know, I do that yeah. everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, just using, like you said, using people, never being a service unless it was of service to myself. Yep. Some way. You know, so self-serving. Never. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it is like a constant. You know, there's like you said, like the growth. It's not over now. Like, we haven't achieved any, like, we're not at the end of the thing, but it's different now, dude. Like, it's like, 
a little different than it was then. Like, going from that to this is, like, black and white for me. Like, living my life and, like, being that selfish yeah. and drinking every day. I don't think I felt, like, that much empathy. I probably, maybe when I was, like, like younger, I'm sure I did at, at times. But I try as soon as I was feeling, like, those types of emotions, I, I just was so scared of them. I was like, I don't, this makes me uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to connect like this. I don't want to, <laughs> like, love people. I don't this has gotten this. far too serious yeah, too quickly. way too close. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How are you doing today? Good. Why? Yeah. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked. Uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about that in perspective, right? Like perspective of, of where where we are at versus where we're at now. And it's like, you know, the, the constant growth, right? Which is continuing to grow spiritually, trying to continuing to like, you know, new things come. And then I, you know, try to channel them through AA and my, and my sober network and stuff like that. But, <clears throat> you know. Sometimes I lose perspective of, of, you know, you know, where I'm at. And then I go to a young people's meeting or I go to a, you know, a, you know, a newcomer meeting and, and there's, there's a first step meeting and, and I, and I start to see kind of, I start to see myself and what they're saying, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And then I, I'm able to see the perspective, you know, it's really important, um, you know, and around here, you know, a lot of the meetings I go to, we really don't get a lot of newcomers and, and, um, yeah. you know, I've been recently. Recently, I branched out to, to kind of a more, you know, well-known newcomer meeting in New Haven, and um, I realized that I, what I was, what I'm missing, you know what I mean? I missed that perspective. Always kind of, you know, seeing people who are 20 years down the road from me, and not seeing people who are five years oh, behind, yeah, dude. you know, yeah, true that. It um, is kind on of the like road to happiness, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, yeah, I think I need a sprinkling of both, for sure. Yeah. I need to see some of that cool. desperation sometimes too when they're coming in, like you know what I mean. To see, seeing the newcomers huge, you know. Like you said, when you see all a bunch of people at a time, it's like, it's great. But I lose, like you said, you lose perspective. Good to have the, ba- the balance. The and balance. then you get that that position where you're able to like, I <clears throat> listen. Like I rarely feel qualified. You know what I mean? Like in other parts <laughs> of my life, sometimes I, I, you know, I'll get nervous. And I think, Oh, can I, you know, I have sometimes some negative self-talk in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like when a newcomer is sharing something and it's the words that I said and that, you know, and I'm and they're feeling the way that I know exactly. I feel it when they're saying it. I, yep. Like, man, I can go up and I feel like I just want to like, I, I just, just want to help. I just want to give them my my story, and I want to give them my my experience with that because I know that where they're sitting, they're feeling hopeless. You know what I mean? And, and like I did. You know what I mean? And being in that place and feeling hopeless, you know, I know that I that I can hopefully shed some shed some experience on it, and um, and it's amazing that feeling I get. Yeah, um, I, I hear yeah. them, and then I'm able to, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, that's part of it. That like it, it's just. It, it's really sometimes in life it's hard for me to relate to other people uh, outside of AA like there's times that I don't feel like as connected and then there's days that I feel real connected to people but it's like uh, like you said like one of those things when you go to AA it's just this universal like thing it's just it's it's always there you know and it's like you could just get right on that you know if it's a new person you know what they've gone like what they're currently going through by their feelings and you've been there and yeah dude that's like a good way sometimes if i'm like stuck i feel like just if i'm really stuck in like depression and stuff and i'm really low and you know work's not cutting it for making me feel like i have a good purpose or or like prayer or you know you know going and working with a new guy is like always always gonna make me feel like i have some purpose to be 
of service, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, my man. Yeah. I appreciate it. So the, what's, how are you, let's say, so we talk about this, we're like, what is your life, how do you maintain kind of your spiritual balance and where you're at now in your sobriety? How do you maintain or continue to, we said, I guess not maintain, try to continue to grow that? What are you working on to continue that? I think, that? yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of, uh, it's a lot different than it looked in the first year, and Alex knows this, because <laughs> it was not, you know, I mean, it was probably what I needed then. I think there was a lot of, like, me in it still, and there still is, but I think I kind of overdid it a little bit, like I do with everything. <laughs> no, we don't yeah. do that ever. Yeah. Went to 14 meetings a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was like, it was like, just got enough treat for today. <laughs> Walking around in the meeting, squeezing my fists together, yeah. like, oh. And it's just like, I grabbed on like the life preserver thing to say, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, man. like that's like, this is the only thing. And at that time, it kind of like was the only thing. Like we, me and Alex would hang out at his, at his apartment. It's super crucial. I'm so grateful for that. Like always when I think back and look on that in hindsight, I'm like, thank freaking God I had people that I could like go be with after meetings mm-hmm. and stuff, dude. Like I would have done some stupid stuff. I know I probably wouldn't have stayed clean. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so fresh, man, and, like, it was, like, you know, so I just went to Matt, like, a lot of meetings, dude. I jumped, like, right in um, again, and I just kept going to meetings, got a sponsor, did all that, and then um, I kind of did the same thing for, like, a long, like, a long time. I got, like, almost every commitment besides, like, GSR and anything to do with, like, uh, that, so maybe that's a good thing for me to add now, because I haven't really gotten too involved with that. Um but yeah, man, like coffee, I did like a speaker seeker commitment at this old timers meeting. They made me do it for two years. Um, <laughs> and I was like, dude, I ran out of people to ask. And they were like, that's the point, dude. You're not supposed to ask people, you know, you're supposed to meet new people. It's like, you know, this is yeah. a, a benefit of this thing. It's like, you're going to meet a lot of people. So I, you know, mm-hmm. which is true, man. Like I kept that commitment and I met so many people that I would never have met if I didn't have that kind of event. So, but it was uncomfortable, you know, and like people would avoid me after meetings because they like knew I was like the speaker seeker I'm guy. I'm going to get you, bro. <laughs> like, uh, oh my God, stay away from it. It's like, I don't know. So I think a lot of it was like that kind of just, just full bore meetings and uh, not a lot of balance in my life uh, to do with like, AA in like there was times I was eating dinner at my parents house on like a Sunday uh and they were like so stoked that I would come by and you know I'd be like I gotta go <laughs> like and I would like you know I already went to like six meetings that week like, I gotta go and I would like drive an hour to Branford and my dad was like you know you do a lot and I was like we like to see you too you know it's like yeah. then people start you know you're you're back in you know you're living life again like people want to spend time with you man it's like part of being of service that i didn't get i don't think you know i was like this is you know i gotta protect me and everything and so i would say it's probably different in that sense now there's like a lot more people um in a relationship and uh then there's like people that uh customers that i work for you know work alone so i'm working you know when i'm working for them like they need attention too you know it's like then there's like uh my family needs attention, and then friendships need attention, and then you kind of like, you know, have to, it's like this thing that I don't understand, you know? Yeah, I don't understand it, man. And it's like <laughs> this constant thing of like trying to balance and organize time in a way that's like not too stressful on me, because I got to remember I'm like in recovery and like, you know, I got to keep some sort of like balance going here. I don't want to get too worked up and, you know, and it's like then, but I don't want to be too selfish. So there's like this real fine line yep. that I think the, 
goal like I think I'm doing it right if I'm like aware of that and I'm trying to trying to find that balance like I don't think I'm gonna find perfect balance but like as long as I'm like aware that I'm gonna be out of balance yeah so it's just kind of like working towards being more in balance man and like just uh i one thing i'll say which i didn't do i just a huge component of this and i've heard other people say man is the prayer every day and every night like so like makes me feel so centered and i can do it wherever i'm at that's the thing too like even if i am super busy it's always good to have like one tool that i could fall back on if no one answers the phone if i'm running crazy thin i'm working all the time like there's always that one thing at least i have something you know yeah. that i can like ask god please keep me sober today that's what i say every morning and thank you at night and sometimes there's stuff in there in between but it's it's become more of a reliance upon a power greater than myself dude like i can't rely on myself like to do these everything i would lose my mind i was like just so stressed like you talked about like alex talked about you and every it's like just living on self like propulsion dude it's so exhausting man and it's like i still fall into it but it's like i feel like i didn't have that tool before yeah i i really feel like i didn't really think that like i could reach out so, so it's like at least now i know you know at least yeah. now i know i can do that you know if i'm in a bind or whatever but yeah dude i added a lot of things that i wasn't doing before my sponsor recommended why don't you start doing some fun stuff like he said that to me why don't you go to the go to the gym or whatever i, I didn't really have that many hobbies uh, other than meetings <laughs> and I got back into skateboarding that's been huge I actually met a couple people that like had like uh, were drinking too much and stuff like that and like they skateboard and they don't you know what I mean and it's yeah. like I don't force you know AA on them or whatever man but like they call me sometimes and I hang out with guys that you know haven't drank for a pretty decent amount of time that they go skateboarding they have other hobbies and they do their thing um, but I'm able to be of service like with the 12 steps and outside things like that aren't mm -hmm. like you know and i don't have to say it's aa yeah. just gotta be Carry a friend man yeah, yeah dude yeah met so many people like through skating that are kind of just like very similar mindset to me like go big or go home 100 percent or nothing and yeah. like i could totally see how there could be some similarities there and i don't know i kind of like uh can relate to them in a similar way it's cool yeah, yeah. carrying this into other parts of our life other than in the meetings is <clears throat> you know in our work you know, I know you talk a lot about that and, um, you know, uh, the prayer thing, man, is huge. See, I, I owe it to you guys, man. I, I struggled with prayer my whole recovery, like not like an obstinance to it, but like a consistent prayer. You know, I'm not a creature of habit, you know, some, you know, and, and I struggle with that. And a lot of times I think I use that as an excuse, but it was last winter we were up in Vermont and we were skiing and and we shared a cabin together it was just yeah, just was us awesome. and i was like wait a minute these guys are freaking praying on vacation what's going on you know what i mean and we talked about it and they're like no i pray every day and, and that's when you told me that's that so cool because that's how i started doing it was because of other people dude but you guys really i don't know if you know or not so but like cool. since then you because of that i was like i was like well shit james can do it I yeah. <laughs> but i i know i really i adopted the quick yeah. prayer if like some days it's more and then other days it's like I didn't pray okay pray and yeah. it's gotten so much better it'd be lying if I said it was every day but it's like 90% of the days yeah. it's every day that I work but then on the days off is when I struggle because that's I get... so funny because like I pray later on those days like I won't yeah. remember as much so like I'm on day off I don't have to like deal with people <laughs> I don't need to pray yeah. I can yeah. wait a little bit longer yeah yeah, yeah. And I wake up and it's mayhem in my head and in my house. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I don't have to deal with people, but I still have to deal with me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And at some point, I remember to pray. Absolutely. And it's been a huge, like, I think about 
I think about that trip and I think about you guys and, and power the fellowship like we were talking about. Yeah. Man. Like I cannot do this alone. I get so much out of out of the fellowship today. And you know, it's all I had in the beginning. You know what I mean? And like this this just this very small connection enough with my higher power that I that I had that I had a willingness and things like that. But you know, to, to grow it, but like the fellowship carried me and, and you talked about that. Um Today, yeah. what's the fellowship, um, you know, for you today? How does the fellowship of AA look for you today? Like, uh, so I have long-term friends in, in AA now, and, like, you're one of them, and Eddie, you're becoming one of them at this mm-hmm. point. You know, it's like time goes by, and you don't even realize mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, Fred and my buddy Max, like, you know, we, I just run into, it's like, it seems like everybody that I'm around is, like, in AA, which <laughs> is, like, something I don't think I, like, I mean, I wanted to set my life up like that, but, like, I'm kind of realizing it now, I guess, as we're talking about it, that, like, there's, like, everybody around me, dude. Like, it's, like, uh, it's a lot, you know, I, I just have a lot of gratitude, I think, like, for AA, man, because it's, like, the people that call me on a daily basis that I talk to are in AA. I talk to my buddy Fred. He got a new job, so uh, he used to call me at, like, the same time every day. Now it's, like, you know, here at a different time, we talk every day on the phone. I'll call my buddy Max, talk on the phone. Um, but the fellowship is something that I thought was like exclusive to AA that doesn't yet, that doesn't have to be. And it, and, it, and it's good and I need that. Like, and I'm really blessed because I think it's like, some of it's a roll of the dice, dude. Like I met a lot of good people and I, that's how I feel about it. Like I got really lucky. Like we got into meetings yeah. and I just, I met people that I could connect with. Like I have like a, a, a OCD, I have that going on, and there, mm-hmm. there's people that I met in AA, very small percentage of people that I, that I found that are just like me in that regard, yeah. and and I do think I got real lucky with that, because it's like, uh, I needed people to talk to about that, I had to go to therapy, I was in therapy for years with that, and it's like God places these people into my life, dude, yeah. and it's like, I just need to be open to like meeting new people, I think like my fellowship like today is like more of a mindset of like, stay open to meeting new people because like your fellowship could grow. It's not all done yet. And, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy, man. And it's full circle too. Cause it's like, you help the people that you meet. So it's like, I guess I'm more open to fellowship now than I was when I first got sober. It's like, I knew I needed to, so I did it. I didn't necessarily want to, (laughs) I I did not want to meet. And now I kind of find like, sometimes if I meet somebody that like, there's a part of me that like enjoys it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I kind of like, am interested in sometimes I like talk to people and I get to know them and I like listen to them and I'm like uh like interested in other people which is like crazy yeah Yeah. for somebody like like with this disease like it's just I like you know I'm open to to having connection I think I'm more comfortable from AA being like vulnerable too that's a huge part of it yeah like it's very hard to make connections if you can't put the wall down yeah dude the wall's up man I don't want to know you like go to the gas station, I'm not saying, hey, what's going on to the guy that's, like, looking at the keypad for five minutes and like, waiting for it to, like, say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I'm, like, freaking on, out inside. Yeah, yeah. And, Please don't talk to me. Yeah. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> and uh, that definitely still happens for me today. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, like, sitting there and going, like, I don't want to be like this today. No, yeah. I don't want to. And then I, like, change it, dude. And it's, like, you know, you go from, like, living your whole life like that and then you take a drink and it's, like, Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what were yeah. we doing again? Yeah. And it's like you just take that that freaking like after the first like beer or two, and you just feel that like instant like feeling of like I can connect and relax. And yeah, I'm able to get that like sober. Which talk about 
a miracle, dude. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. telling me that AA was going to solve my drinking problem is something that I kind of could think, like, believe when I first came to AA because I was like, yeah, people stay sober or whatever. It's freaking miserable. Like, you know, <laughs> I did not think that you could be, like, happy. happy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I could be this. Like, I didn't know I could not drink and feel like You could be happy, joyous, and free. Everyone says, like, yeah, it's horseshit. Yeah. But yeah. It's the truth is that yeah. you can be by following what's out there and doing yeah. what you're supposed to do. You can end up with a life I never thought I could possibly imagine before the 12 steps before the solution before you know you know following getting a sponsor all of it the whole thing everything all that AA has to offer before that I knew what it felt like to stop drinking you know what I mean like I knew oh, and like yeah, you talked dude, about it because I had stopped <laughs> yeah. it was so Terrible. bad it was anxiety it was a spring in my chest that Terrible. would like get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and snap it was horrible not drinking and that's so, like, you know, that's what I thought it was. You're going to help me stay like that just longer now because I can only make Dude, it yeah, the five thought, days yeah, feeling like that. The so thought gonna... of not drinking was, like, actually more scary than continuing to drink, even though yeah. our lives were yeah. so dangerous. Yeah. And it was, like, to people on the outside, it was, like, this is insane. But it was I was more terrified of being sober. Yeah, yeah. how I feel when I'm sober. Yeah. And I had no, I, I didn't realize. It's like, okay, I thought AA was going to, like, when I came in, I would have sold myself way short because I wanted oh, yeah. to stop drinking. And I thought that was the like the drinking, the actual alcohol was like the 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 only problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and and I was like, I'm gonna feel like this and they're gonna teach me how to deal with feeling like yeah. this for the rest of my life. You know? But that's not the case, right? Like like you said, able to have the same freedom that I that, you know, that freedom that I felt when I drank. You know, that that ease and comfort that came with that drink I can get now, and I do get now, mm-hmm. and don't feel like that all the time. Now. You know, and, and that's, yeah. that's amazing, you know. Um, you were talking about the fellowship, and, like, I can't, it just made me think I can't, you know, God, this is one of my favorite things I heard was, you know, if I'm hungry and starving and I lock myself in a closet... And I pray to God for food because I'm going to die. He's not going to slip a hot dog through the keyhole. You know what I mean? I go out and look for food. So when I pray and when I ask for guidance and I ask for help, God's not going to just bestow knowledge upon me. Yeah, it's like this you know random I mean? guy comes yeah. up yeah. who's like annoying the shit out of you. <laughs> and then like, but, it's like, but it's like exactly the answer exactly. that like you were praying for. And it's coming from this dude that you're just yeah. like, why does this dude keep talking to me? Like, That's the problem. And sometimes accept the help. And sometimes yeah. this is the thing that blows my mind that's harder for me to believe. Right. Sometimes I'm that person for other people that God can work through. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Be, yeah. and, and I wouldn't believe it if I haven't heard people come up to me that I don't even recognize them anymore. And I saw them at a meeting one time and they're like, you said this thing. And at this and about you wanting to drink on a train and you hit your knees and prayed and this and that. I remember that, yeah. And like, and we were all, you know. That it, sticks out to me too, dude. That story though. Like just yeah. real quick. That does like I've like that's come into my mind, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's like, it's just a testament to like what, you know what I mean? It's like, it comes up at any time, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, you don't know when you're going to have that thought and that like, like connected to that craving, like come up and like, thank God, like it's been a long time that I haven't felt that, but that was like, it's always stuck out for me. Yeah. So you never know when you're going to be the vessel and you yeah. never know, but I, I mean, I at least have an ex, I don't want to say I, it's bad to say, but I have an expectation almost that when I pray, I go to a meeting, I go around, I was like, I know my higher power is going to provide the answer for me. And there's some comfort in that, right? Like there's some comfort in that if I ask for guidance, if I ask for, you know, God help, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this, is that if I get out of that closet and I start going to look for that food, I'm going to get fed. Yeah, dude. You know? Yeah, oh, I agree. It's real comfy in that closet, though. Oh, it's yeah. It's real <laughs> secure. Absolutely. It's real safe. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 
then it gets old after a while and you start starving. Yeah, when the pain in your belly starts <laughs> getting strong enough and the, and the pain gets worse, yeah, dude. you open that door. And uh, my hope is that the longer I can live this life, the easier it is for me to open that door. And the quick, you know, it become, you know, yeah, or, that, or yeah, soon dude. maybe that door, at some point, maybe that door just will always be open and I can just step out. I think so. And look at where we were, right, together yeah. to now. I mean, like, very slow, but also <laughs> we're definitely quick. I think we're definitely quicker. Anyways, yeah. to come out of that, you know, come out of that, uh, like, that closet, you know. When the pain is there, it's like we were killing ourselves every day. Every day. Every day, every day. with drugs and alcohol to avoid all this stuff, you know. And it's like. doesn't just, have to be that way. No. Nah. And thank you so much for coming on, James. This was thanks for having me. Fantastic! Dude. It was so good to hear you. Hear what you're sharing. Appreciate your message. Always good to talk to you guys. Always, man. And um, we have a nice way of closing with the wee version of the Serenity Prayer. Um, and thanks again for coming on. God, God, grant, grant us the serenity to, to accept the things I we cannot change, change, the courage to change the things we can, and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know the, the difference. difference. Key word is. Wee version. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>